welcome to Book Squad Goals. Today we are discussing Leon Moriarty. Oh, fuck. Oh, no. <laughs> Today. Already? We are discussing Leon Moriarty's novel, Nine Perfect Strangers. And we are joined by a special guest, Tirza Price, yeah. who's a bibliologist for TBR. Yay! Tirza, would you like to say hey, tell us about yourself and about any pets that you have? Hello, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm so excited to be joining you. And thank you so much for your patience because for all those listeners, I'm currently sitting in a thunderstorm and my power went out. So we had to delay, but they were super patient with me. So um, yes, I am so excited to be here. And I work for Book Riot. Um, I'm a contributing editor there where I do a lot of fun stuff, including um, uh, working as a bibliologist for our book subscription program, TBR, which is pretty much like, I think Emily will agree, the ideal job. You can recommend yeah. books for people. Um, I mean, they'll, they'll tell you I just do that to them for free all the time. <laughs> so the idea that I'm getting paid for it, like... <laughs> Emily runs out of, of spots for her own book picks, and she's like, if anyone wants any suggestions for what to pick next, <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I mean, the hard part is definitely limiting yourself, because I'm like, wait, I can only recommend three books at a time? That's lame. I want to recommend all the things. <laughs> so, yeah, it is it is kind of cool. I feel like my, um, you know, high school self would, like, freak out if I knew that I was actually getting paid to recommend books. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. It's very cool. <laughs> Um, what about you have pets? We have pets. We like to talk about pets. I do. I have a two dogs and, um, they are fantastic. I have a golden retriever named Hazel who is the best girl. And then, um, I have a puppy. She's a mini Australian shepherd, um, which is adorable because she's like tiny (laughs) Yeah, and she's got all her baby fluff. She's not super fluffy yet. The, the thing is, is, like, she's super, like, yippy. And, like, I've never had a small dog before. I've always had big dogs. And Hazel's just, like, so chill and so, like, laid back. And then, like, this little yipper comes along. And she just, like, barks at me, like, constantly. So, but I love her. She's adorable. Um, They're both a lot of fun. Um, unfortunately, it's like storming right now, and I poor Hazel is like cowering in the closet because she hates storms. The little dog oh, could not God. care less. She's like, eh, whatever. I love that the big golden <laughs> retriever is like, oh, I can't. <laughs> She's so scared. I have a storm hider. I feel so myself. sorry. I am. Um, I have a Boston Terrier mix, and she hides she'll just find like the smallest space that's available. So there's not a closet door open. She will like flatten out completely and go under the bed. To the point where I've thought I've lost Aww. her before. I'm like, did I leave She's her outside? Sensitive. Like, 20 minutes running around, like, starting to cry. Like, where did she go? Bed. What? She's very sensitive. <laughs> Just because of the little rain. I don't think either of my cats notice when it's storming. Yeah, cats are more chill about that kind of thing. Yeah. Dogs are not. They're like, They're like I could take you, take Storm. <laughs> well, you're our second, um, like, dog-having guest in a row, so... It's nice to have yeah, you. I'm the, I'm the lone dog Susan is of excited. Us, so. <laughs> <laughs> I love dogs. I love cats too. I'm sadly allergic. Same. Which Aww. which is tough, but um, they're wonderful, and I like to pet them. And then I sneeze for days. Same. Feel you. Feel you. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it, shall we? 
Um, I should say before we start that we are going to spoil everything about Nine Perfect Strangers. Uh, so if you don't want to yeah. hear that, listen later after you've read it. Um, and might I recommend the audiobook because it's got Emily's favorite type of narrator, an Australian one. An Australian <laughs> one, yes. <laughs> it's a very good audiobook, yeah. and I'm very hard on audiobooks, so. Here's a, you did the audiobook too, right? I did, yeah. I waited about, like, 18 years for it to come in from the library. Oh, boy. <laughs> it was worth the wait. <laughs> Um, I I always get really excited with Australian accents as well because I love Australian accents. Like I'm mildly obsessed with all things Australian. Um, yeah. I think this goes back to when I was five. My parents went on a vacation to Australia and they did not take me with them. Rude. And I still oh, have not no. forgiven them. <laughs> so I love all things Australian, which is you know, I don't want to tell you. Then I just went to Australia a few months ago. <gasps> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So I got excited about the audiobook because I do love listening to those wonderful Australian accents, mm-hmm. and it was a good it's audiobook. Very, you know, like Australians are they just come off as very and like even they kind of talk about this in the book a little bit. The Australian way is kind of just kind of like chill you know mm-hmm. and that you feel that when you hear that t- i mean i know this is all very like we're stereotyping right now sorry but like something about that accent is just it, it makes you feel relaxed because they sound relaxed and i don't know so sorry for stereotyping i'm sure that you guys have neuroses as well but you just seem very calm and chill and <laughs> good with yourselves so I don't know. I like Australian accents. I'm sorry if that's offensive to anybody. Well, if you're not ready for this to be spoiled, um, pause this. Go listen to that audiobook. It's like 14 hours long. Um, and then pop right back in. And in 14 hours. Yeah. Pop back hey, in welcome late. back. Um, <laughs> so, as always, we will get started with an intro question. Um, and this is why I did the spoiler warning up front, because you might your answer might contain spoiler jokes. Um, but what ingredients would go in your favorite smoothie? <laughs> um, I, first of all, I don't know that I have a favorite smoothie. That's Mary. Yeah, this is Mary. <laughs> I have smoothies I tolerate. Uh, I guess normally when I make a smoothie, it's like whatever fruit I happen to have, which is usually like apples and pears. And some kind of green, like spinach and a banana. It's boring. <laughs> I'm not a huge <laughs> smoothie fan. Well, I don't. This is Kelly. I don't make a lot of smoothies at home, but like if I'm gonna go somewhere and get a smoothie, I I go towards the like tropical like pineapple mango smoothies. Um, if I am making a smoothie at home, I love to throw in some LSD. No. <laughs> I got my joke in. Are we talking microdose or just straight up, you know, however Just much. a whole, what I, like, just like a cup of LSD. That's how that works, right? That's how you yeah. measure a it. Cup. Do you die after Yeah. That? You would probably <laughs> die. Um, I have no just... idea, like, how much of a dose of LSD is, like, like so tiny like yeah i just know that it's like on a little piece of paper yeah i have no idea either (laughs) (laughs) emily's never done lsd in her whole life that's the truth that's what i'm going with um this is emily by the way um i think i'm more of like an mdma girl i'm just kidding um but i do actually drink a lot of smoothies for breakfast 
And hey, Susan, do you remember when we did the um, crystal? Oh my god. Yes, I remember. Fit for the holidays? Yeah, the fit for the holidays plan. <laughs> yeah. So Where I gained weight and didn't do any of it? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> so Susan and I, you know, we're we're kind of like the bachelor. I mean, we a lot of, like, I'm not trying to discount. I know, Mary Kelly, you have watched some of no, The Bachelor I would as well. But Susan not and, consider myself. Susan and I are the bachelor people of this yes. podcast. Yeah. We do the recaps. And so we thought it would be really fun if for the blog... We tried Crystal from The Bachelor's um, workout and health plan and, like, saw how well that was went. Was it really fun? No. <laughs> uh, we did not no. do very – we kind of, like, felt like – first week we were in, we were like, we got this. We're on – like, we're doing – like, these. this is great. Second week, in, like, inter- intermittent fasting and we were out. Yeah. We're like, no, like, we're not doing no all that. Thanks. Um, Similar but I will to this say, book. <laughs> yeah, so you guys would it have started just, fine, like, and then left. fasting was introduced, and things like yeah, that. we would have been out at the fasting. But I will say that she did introduce some ingredients to my smoothies in the morning that I have continued with. So I do like a little bit of vegan protein powder and some chia seeds. The chia seeds are key. Okay, did they not make it goopy? No, didn't make it good. Um. And then, yeah, like fruit. I like mangoes a lot. Uh, so does Francis. And then put a little spinach in there. Delicious. I don't like the color that it becomes when you put the spinach in. You can't in. taste it, though. It just makes it green. I know, but it's just, like, very off-putting. Because it's, it's not, not green. It's when you put green. it with other stuff, it becomes, like, gray. I don't it's know. Like a, that's true. It's just, that's the color of health, Kelly. You're rejecting the color of health. Gray? <laughs> yes, when your poop is gray. Uh, oh my god, no. Just don't right. look at, alright, anyway. So that's my answer. You guys can shit on my smoothie all you want, but it's delicious. Right. Uh, this is Susan, and um, I will just add that the low point of that Fit for the Holidays program was when I almost threw up on my living room rug doing burpees. <laughs> <laughs> Like, seriously. That's why they call them burpees. I yeah. Like, I was, like, Googling, like, am I okay? <laughs> what happened? Okay. Um, and it's probably because my favorite type of smoothie is, like, a really unhealthy one. Like, I want chocolate in it, mm-hmm. and I want peanut butter in it. I want it to be a milkshake. And I put oh, a banana I like in it because then it's butter. like, ooh, healthy. Yeah. Yeah. The difference between this and a milkshake, Mary, is instead of ice cream and milk, I would just do, like, low-fat yogurt. Ah, that's close enough. Like a breakfast smoothie. But yeah, I mean, it's basically a milkshake. I feel like once chocolate comes into the equation, it's not really a smoothie anymore. I don't really like chocolate that much. I prefer the vanilla protein powder. Gross. Oh, I don't even mean protein powder. I mean like just (laughs) just straight chocolate. Straight up chocolate. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. She just puts a Hershey bar into the blender. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a problem with that? That's how a Reese's cup. Yeah. Uh, Teresa, did you you have a smoothie? So I actually really do like green smoothies. I thank you. I mean, I I feel like you have to know exactly what you're putting in there to make it not mm-hmm. go like that yucky gray color. I mean, certain yeah. ingredients will mess it up. Blueberries, um, yeah. Blueberries, strawberries, yeah. yeah it's gonna get the, um, the color all off. But I love like spinach with like frozen mango and frozen peaches because 
then you don't have to put ice in there and dilute That's your true. So it's like We're really level flavorful. Right yeah. And I like way, flew way too close to the sun this summer. And I was like, I'm going to grow my own <laughs> kale and spinach. And like I had so oh, no. much kale out of like two plants <laughs> that I oh, my I like burnt myself out on smoothies. Like I, I can't anymore. Like I look at them and I'm like, no. So I'm taking a break from smoothies. But maybe if there was a microdose of LSD in there, I would try it again. I don't know. I'm just saying. That does change the game. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just imagining you with all the kale. I was, like, giving it away. Like, I work from home, so I don't even have, like, coworkers I can throw it off to. I was, like, texting random people, like, hey, you want some kale? And everyone was like, no. No. And I was like, god damn it. You guys gotta help me out. I would want kale. I mean, I definitely want it, but... I feel like we don't live close enough for, to make that happen. Probably not. It's hardy, but not <laughs> that hardy. Live? I live in Michigan. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, we're in Michigan. Um, so I can cut this out if you're not comfortable. No, you're not curious. You're okay. <laughs> I live in a really small town um, north of Grand Rapids. So it's okay. on the west, sort of the northwest side of the state, which is, okay. I think, the prettiest side. So A lot of my family lives in East Lansing. Okay, yeah. So Lansing is about two and a half hours from me. Not too bad. Okay. Yeah. And this is not the same thing, but I'm also a Midwesterner. I'm from Indiana originally. Don't live there anymore, but I still feel like, hey. Yeah, Midwest. Mary and I are from Georgia. (laughs) Hey, but great peaches there for the smoothies. Yeah, that's that's a lot. I mean, they're fine. Really? Yeah. But onions. Oh, God. I hate onions. Vidalia. Let's not get into the onions again. We had a whole podcast where they went off on onions, and I was just like triggered. If you haven't had an onion off the back of a truck, yes. <laughs> they're good. <laughs> I am right, triggered well, right now. Don't this has an been onion in your onion corner. We do it once every five episodes. Yep, it'll never die. Yep. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about smoothies because smoothies feature heavily in Nine Perfect Strangers. Um, as usual, we're going to start off with the Goodreads summary, and this one is kind of long, but because it is the tradition, we're going to do it still. Could 10 days at a health resort really change you forever? These nine perfect strangers are about about to find out. Wow, you guys, I'm going to struggle today. <laughs> That's twice. <laughs> All right, nine people gather at a remote health resort. Some are here to lose weight. Some are here to get a reboot on life. Some are here for reasons they can't even admit to themselves. Amidst all of the luxury and pampering, the mindfulness and meditation, they know these 10 days might involve some real work, but none of them could imagine just how challenging the next 10 days are going to be. Frances Welty, the formerly best-selling romantic novelist, arrives at Tranquillum House, nursing a bad back, a broken heart, and an exquisitely painful paper cut. She's immediately intrigued by her fellow guests. Most of them don't look to be in need of a health resort at all. But the person that intrigues her most is the strange and charismatic owner-slash-director of Tranquillum House. Could this person really have the answers Frances didn't even know she was seeking? Should Frances put aside her doubts and immerse herself in everything Tranquillum House has to offer, or should she run while she still can? It's not long before every guest at Tranquillum House is asking exactly the same question. Combining all of the hallmarks that have made Leon Moriarty's writing a go-to for anyone looking for wickedly smart page-turning fiction that will make you laugh and gasp, Nine Perfect Strangers once again shows why she is a master of her craft. 
I made it. Good job. You made it. I think that might just be the book jacket. Uh, Sometimes it is. You never know with Goodreads. It's either like something that a random person just wrote one day (laughs) in Goodreads (laughs) or it's the book jacket. (laughs) You don't know what you're going to get. Or like last time it was like the first paragraph of the book. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, is Goodreads like Wikipedia? Like, can anyone edit it? Because sometimes that's what it seems like. Yeah. (laughs) So um, the one character mentioned in the... Uh, summary there was Francis, the former novelist, or I guess struggling current novelist. Mm-hmm. Um, and the point of view throughout the novel is third person, but it's filtered through various characters in individual chapters that are titled in their name. Um, but Francis is really our protagonist. And I just wanted to ask, what do we think of her as a character? Hmm. Um, do we feel like this is Leon Moriarty's putting herself in the book at all? Is she sort of, like, poking fun at herself at all with this character? I don't... I was wondering that. I don't know anything about her, but I wondered. Well, I always feel like when a writer puts a writer in their book, it has to at least be sort of related to them, because it's, like, I feel like it would be hard to write about a character with the same occupation as you without, like, putting a lot of your own personal experience and feelings into it. (coughs) Stephen King. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, anytime there's a writer in a Stephen King book, which is, like, always... Stephen King book. (laughs) (laughs) So, I liked Frances, I will say. Um, I enjoyed her. I thought she was funny. I liked that she had kind of, like, a... It was funny because she had kind of, like, a middle-aged mom vibe, but she's not a mom. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, she she very much was kind of, like, one of your mom's friends or something. Like, the kind of way that she was described. Which which is interesting because, obviously, she doesn't see herself that way. Um, but, like, all of the, like, younger characters in the book are like, this middle-aged woman is... <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I liked her. I think... I think she is probably, like, the most well-developed character um, and has, like, the most distinct personality. Yeah. um, And seems very, like, fully realized. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if we're... I mean, obviously the novel focuses on her quite a bit, but I think we feel, as readers, even more of an immediate attachment to Frances Because she's the first character we really spend a lot of time with. And as the novel goes on, you find out about other characters and get to know them more. And I enjoyed other characters more than Francis in the end. But Francis was the first character I cared about. Because there's so much time spent with her up front. And you know exactly why she's there and what's happened to her in her life as soon as she gets there. She talks about mm-hmm. the internet scam she fell victim to. She talks about her novel being ill-received and ultimately not published. Like, we know what's up with Frances immediately, so it's easier to connect with her, I think. Whereas some of the other characters, you kind of don't know what's going on with them until, like, halfway through the book. Which is good in its own way, but... Mm-hmm. Frances is fine. <laughs> <laughs> She's fine. That's it. She's fine. Yeah. Wow, Mary. <laughs> we got some hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, so, I mean, with that many characters in the book, because there's nine people, of course, at the at the spa for the retreat, but there are also two, two of the staff members have chapters as well. So, I mean, that's 11, <laughs> 
11 characters. Like, do we feel like they are well-developed enough? Mm, Not all of them. Are enough of them? I thought enough of them were well-developed. I I don't know if I needed them all to be, like, at the level that Francis was. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, it, it's not such a hard balance because 11 point-of-view characters is a lot. And there was a point when I was like, how many hours have I gone through this audiobook? Like, holy cow, we're six hours in. And it didn't feel like plot-wise much was happening. But, yeah, I feel like I yeah. knew so much about those characters. And I cared enough that I was like, yeah, I want to keep hearing what's going on with them. So I don't know. That was kind of like a narrative gamble, I think. But she made those characters interesting enough that I didn't mind. I thought so, too. I was like a little nervous at first when like after like the third one was introduced. I was like, oh, it's going to be all of them. (laughs) (laughs) That's a task. (laughs) But like, I really didn't feel like I mean, normally, even when we have books with a lot fewer characters. I feel like a lot of the time we complain about them <laughs> being way underdeveloped, but I was pleasantly surprised like how how well that was handled. I mean, I think the people who needed to be developed got developed. Yeah, yeah I would agree with that. Same. I was there's no there's not a world where I care about Lars. <laughs> <laughs> like I just was not going to care about him and so like I got the basics. He's a lawyer. His partner wants to have a baby. Like, I'm good. That's all I need to know. Yeah, well, for a while, the only fact about him was handsome. He's he's hot. And I was like, great, but... Yeah, yeah. um, I also felt that um, Ben was severely underdeveloped out of the couple. Like, all we knew about him was, He loves his car. He loved his his car. And, like, we knew that he had, like, an addict sister, but we didn't really get a lot of his feelings about that. We just got, like, other people's perspectives of how he felt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just felt like he was kind of, like, I don't know, just that couple in general. Because I feel like Jessica, too, was, like, she, I don't know. Like, I, there were parts of, of that that I enjoyed that I thought were interesting, but then there were parts of it where I was, like, I feel like she's a little bit, like, too surface level of a of a person that – in the way that she was written about, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think they tried – I think Moriarty tried to – I mean, I think for most of the novel, you think she's really surface level – and then Moriarty sort of does a swerve. Like, all we know about Jessica for so much of the novel is she's had a lot of plastic surgery. And then yeah. when we finally get Jessica's perspective on it, she says, no, I wanted to look this way. So I got the plastic surgery. It wasn't for anyone but me. Which mm-hmm. isn't such a surface level reason. It's not like yeah. I wanted Ben to think I was hot. It was it was truly like, she, this is what she thinks is beautiful. And she yeah. doesn't really care what anyone else thinks, which is kind of a nice surprise. Yeah. Or it was for me, because I think, and I don't want to jump into it immediately, but, like, I think this book has some conflicting views on body image. Yes. And Jessica's part of that. Mary, what a great segue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, there are a lot of different reasons that these people come to the spa. Um, some are dealing with grief. Some are lonely. There's marriage problems between Ben and Jessica, who we just talked about. 
Um, but body stuff is um, a yeah. big focus. So there's Jessica's plastic surgery. There's um, a character named Carmel who, or Carmel, I don't really know. How is it spelled? Because I only listen C-A-R-M-E-L. to it. C-A-R-M-E-L. Yeah, they say Carmel in the audio. Yeah, they do. Sorry. Yeah. But when I read it with my eyes, it doesn't sound right. <laughs> so Yeah. <laughs> I just Caramel. kept thinking, like, is her name, like, Caramel, like, the sweet? Yeah. <laughs> like. I couldn't even, I didn't even hear that that's what it, it sounded to me like, um, Kamel, because the R, oh. you know, is not, so I, I was like, this is a common I had to name. look at, I had to look <laughs> to see. Yeah, I don't like, know. Because there's one part in the book where someone says, oh, yeah, I had a friend named Caramel, and I was like, did you? Did, did you? Did you? <laughs> yeah, was it this you. person? Uh, Maybe it's anyway, an Australian Is this your friend? Caramel. Uh, <laughs> Um, is really there to lose weight. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of characters are described by other characters based on perceived flaws in their bodies or faces. Um, so I just wanted to talk about the different ways, or like Mary said, conflicting ways sometimes that the book treats body image. Yeah, it spans to the men too, because mm-hmm. like Napoleon, for instance, like it's like, constantly just talked about how he's like freakishly tall <laughs> yeah. so it's like it's not just like I think a lot of times with books like this it bothers me when it's like just the women's bodies and it, like women it's not just male authors who do this like female authors do it all the time where it's like women's bodies are scrutinized and described and we don't get that same sort of like look at like male bodies like um, so I guess at least she was even about it. It's clear that she was, like, trying to do something with it. It wasn't just some sort of weird, like, gaze or judgment of female bodies. Yeah. At least, mm-hmm. like, I didn't read it that way. So, I don't know. Like, and having read one of – I've read Big Little Lies. That's the only other book I've read of hers. Like, I don't feel like this is something that she necessarily – like does all the time so i don't think it's like her as an author doing it i definitely think it's something she's like consciously doing for this book but i don't know has i mean have any of you read any of her other books no i started big little lies i'm sort of like been currently reading it for a while (laughs) (laughs) i pick it up and put it down a lot um but so far no i haven't noticed that so yeah, it definitely seems conscious. It's also not just Napoleon. It's every... I mean, like we said, the only thing we knew about Lars for a long time is that he's, like, devastatingly handsome. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, Tony... Is old. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, well, and he's also, like, that. a former athlete who's, like, you know, out of shape now and stuff like that. Mary, you have feelings. I do, I do have feelings. So, like, every time we talk about bodies, I'm like, full disclosure, I study this... <laughs> In my PhD program. So, like, I'm already fine-tuned to body image issues. And often when we read stuff for the podcast, I try to turn it off. Because I don't want to just focus on that. But I think it's so obvious that one of the issues that Moriarty wants to address is body image. And I don't know... I don't know what kind of job she's doing. So, yes, like, I think there's all this attention to bodies, everybody's bodies, the men, the women, uh, the teenager, everybody. But 
I don't know what the conclusion is about this in the novel. So, like, Carmel is the character that talks about her body the most. She expressly came to this retreat to lose weight. And she's really focused on how much weight she's lost. And she even asks when she goes in for her therapy appointment, how much weight have I lost? And Masha, the owner of the program, is like, well, I'm not going to tell you. Mm-hmm. And she hasn't lost any weight. <laughs> But she feels better. And, like, when they all go go on LSD, when they all <laughs> are dosed with LSD, Carmel has a vision that she isn't a body. She's just sort of like a spirit, and she can select what kind of body she wants. And ultimately, she picks her own body. Mm-hmm. And so she wakes up and is like, I had this revelation that I am perfect the way I am. But then even still, she is still focused on weight loss for the rest of the book. It's not like that changes much. Well, I think one of the things they point out, I mean, as far as that's concerned, one of the things that seem, they seem to be pointing out is like all these revelations you think you're having when you're on drugs. They're not. You forget about them as soon as you're not on yeah. drugs anymore. Yeah. So... That's, I think that also was, like, That's true. purposeful. I think the thing is, is the book simultaneously seems to be saying, what you look like doesn't matter. You can be a complex, nuanced, full person without having a perfect body. But also, we are all constantly staring at each other all the time and judging each other based on bodies. And that's inescapable. Yeah, or not even, like, judging each other, but, like, we're all constantly thinking about our own bodies Mm -hmm. or... Comparing. And, like, especially, like, the women characters, because, like, there is, like, observation from the women characters about the male characters, but when you get to the male chapters, there's not a lot of the men thinking so intensely about themselves. Right. Um, Where I think the women are constantly, like, scrutinizing themselves. Um, And I think, you know, part, part of that is, like, like bothers me but then another part of it is like you know it is true that Mm -hmm. that women are raised in a society like in many parts of the world where you know like thinness is valued and weight loss is valued and beauty whatever like definition of beauty there is is valued Mm -hmm. for a woman because that's like your number one asset and it also like ties into this idea of age which is a lot about you know what francis talks about because Mm -hmm. What I find really interesting is that Frances is one of the few characters, maybe the only character who doesn't check off weight loss when she arrives. Right. And she says multiple times, like, you know, you know, my body isn't, like, perfect by any means, but, like, it's fine. It serves me well. Like, I don't have a problem with it. And she does seem to be, like, genuinely confident in herself despite mm-hmm. feeling her issue is more about the fact that she feels she's getting older and she right. misses her youth. And, and that is in some ways tied into it, too, because you're, like, there's, like, different standards of beauty and you're losing this this youth that it supposedly makes people be more beautiful or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think, like, it's hard to figure out what exactly, like, the main message is here and, like, whether it's a message about, like, how things actually are in the world or, like, how we should think about them, you know? Yeah. Well, and the the person in charge of this retreat, Masha, has what every character looks at as like an amazing body, um, mm-hmm. but she didn't always have that, so she got it after having. So we get 
like a flashback at the beginning of the novel of Masha, who is doing something important in the corporate world, having a heart attack. Something businessy. Almost dying. (laughs) Some kind of business. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And she is saved by paramedics, uh, one of whom becomes one of her, like, health consultants or wellness consultants later. But so in the 10 years between when that happens and the spa comes, um, she has transformed her body and she focuses on how great her body is a lot, but so does everyone else, like men and women. Um, I mean, for the men, it's mostly Yao, but, (laughs) um, the women too are just like in awe of her body. But also, she's the one that kind of loses her... Sh- not kind of. She loses her shit. <laughs> so, yeah. Completely like, 100%. What is that saying? <laughs> Fully. <laughs> also, I, I have to quickly say that I, the whole time until just now, thought her name was Marsha being pronounced in an Australian accent. Okay. I did too. Up until right before this. <laughs> and I was like making the doc and I was kind of like looking around at some reviews and stuff. And I was like, oh... She's wow. she's Russian, right? Or Ukrainian? <laughs> yeah, Russian, so I did yeah. think like Marsha, that's not really a Yeah, it sounds like Mar- just like Carmel sounded like Cuz of the Carmel. R. <laughs> that R sound is anyway. I <laughs> so I think and I'm kind of just coming to terms with this now as we're discussing it, but I think that this is kind of one of the reasons why I liked this novel so much is that there is not a hard and fast stance on body image because I think that there's not really a hard and fast stance in real life. Um, like no matter how much I personally want to say like everybody's body is beautiful and everybody is valid, which is something I truly believe I still look at myself and critique, right? So, like, this is just something that's sort of systematically drilled into us that you're supposed to look a certain way that is not easily removed or forgotten. And I think that this book shows that, like, you can on some level think I'm fine, but still compare. I don't know. Kirza, you want to jump in? Yeah, no. I know that we're kind of talking a lot. I wanted you to feel up at any time. Also, feel free to interrupt at any time. Yeah, you're good. I mean, I, I kind of like what you've all been saying. Where there's so many different ideas and critiques about body image, and you see it from so many different points of view because almost everybody has something, and I appreciate so much that you did see that like spectrum of experiences and I you know at first I was kind of like you know but she really like what's the takeaway like I feel like she doesn't ever really I don't I don't want to say resolved because I feel like body issues are never (laughs) fully resolved um but yeah I was kind of like waiting for like that that takeaway moment but then when Mary was talking about how like no it just kind of exists like then now I think like oh no she she did a really good job I think of realistically portraying that and as just being like hey we all have bodies we all have hang-ups we all see notice each other have feelings about our own bodies we just kind of exist in the world in these bodies and we have to figure it out the best way we know how um i i do love that you know francis our main character is the only one who goes in not wanting to lose weight and it just like Ma- Masha can't like accept it. She's like, oh, she says that, but she just she probably meant. The form. 
but she everybody she forgot wants to lose weight. <laughs> I know, um, and that that made me like love Francis even more. The fact that she was just like, oh no, I hate that my body's old. I don't mind the extra pounds. Yeah, yeah. I this isn't related to body. Well, it is related to body image, but I just have to say, like the most disturbing scene in the whole book to me was when Masha, in the midst of her mental breakdown, eats a bag of Doritos with salsa. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I have thought about this since finishing the book a lot. Because at first I was like, why is she eating them with salsa? Yeah. And, and then I was like, is that good? Have I been missing out? <laughs> well, first of all, Doritos are not good. No. Oh, how dare you? Please put stop. That out We've there. had this conversation before as well. Doritos Hard. are delicious. Doritos mm-hmm. taste like feet. Yes. Well, then give me some feet, because that's just tasty. Disgusting. I love feet, then, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here first. Emily, are you a a cooler ranch girl, or like the I'm a nacho cheese cheese girl. The cool ranch I can tolerate. Yeah. Oh. Oh, now she wants in. You can't have any. (laughs) No, you know what? I would so much rather have literally any other chip, except for, like, not Fritos. But also, I do love the barbecue Fritos. Was it oh, specified God, are so gross. what flavor of Doritos she was eating? I, I assumed it was nacho cheese because didn't she say yeah, she had like orange like dust? Dorito. I just like, I need to recreate this and find out, is it actually good? I don't, I, I do know that people do this because I've seen it happen. <sighs> that seems but, like a lot. so salty. Well, I think like in its essence, a, a Dorito is a corn a chip. Corn chip. <laughs> Yeah, the conversation we're having right now. Okay, just so you guys know. this is actually no. a discussion point. We need to get to the bottom. Of it. I should have made my well, intro question: What type of chip would you binge eat when you freaked out? I mean, and would you on put your it acid in salsa? I, I did think a lot about like what kind of Dorito is this, and why is she eating it with salsa? But also, <laughs> it's an important scene because she is binge eating, and she's eating this food mm-hmm. that she clearly sees as forbidden. And so, for the whole novel, Masha's body has been held up as this ultimate beautiful thing and we see in this scene like she actually works very hard to have this body and i don't even want to say works hard she like deprives herself of everyday Mm -hmm. things and makes a reference to a willingness to purge if necessary yes yes so like we get the impression that like in the past when she has binge eaten she has thrown up we get the impression that, like, this is such an emergency because it's in the bottom of her desk, like an emergency thing. <laughs> and it really cues us into this desperate moment, I think, where she's just truly gone off the rails. But I yeah. did think a lot think about the salsa. Sorry, sorry, cheers. <laughs> no, you're good. No, I think it's like, it's also such a perfect metaphor for the fact that Masha's like completely losing control of like her life and the situation at hand because like you i think when somebody's like that strict about their food like part of it is like a control thing like no i'm not letting myself have this and Mm -hmm. in that moment like masha cannot control the people in the room they're not doing what she wants them to do and she doesn't know what to do next and her two you know people have like 
driven off or she's like drugged the other one. I forget at which point the Dorito eating happened before or after she drugged her her acolyte. Um, and, and she's just eating I think after because he wakes up and finds them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's more surprised so, about the Doritos than the cigarette that she's yeah. drinking. <laughs> yeah. So like he's he yeah, she's just completely lost control and all she's doing is eating chips and like that's how bad and you know it's super bad. Yeah. So <laughs> She's yeah. in the Doritos. I'm not going to act like I've never eaten, like, almost an entire bag of Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to act like that hasn't <laughs> happened. But also, I wasn't, like, losing control of everything. Actually, and she certainly wasn't eating them with salsa, for God's <laughs> sake. I actually have a really specific memory of eating a bunch of Doritos. Like, actually, it was during it was during my time at Southern Miss. I came home. And, like, all I had in the house was just, like, random crap like that. And so I just ate a bunch of Doritos. And then I, like, felt so sick and I was complaining about it. And the person I lived with at the time was like, well, what did you eat for dinner? And I was like, <laughs> a bag of Doritos. I was <laughs> <laughs> like, nothing else, just Doritos. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's probably why you feel horrible. No, that can't be it. It's got to be something else. It's got to be something else. (laughs) Mind your own business. I ate a bag of Doritos. So what? You can't live here anymore. Sorry. Bye. (laughs) I I have never eaten a bag of Doritos because I hate Doritos. Um, But I (laughs) can definitely relate to binging a food. Usually I go for the sweets route and have had like a whole thing of Oreos or something like that's easy to do. Yeah. Oreos I, are... I could do it right now. At least you didn't set a fire afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> or a fake fire. fire. Well, I've eaten I'm Oreos. assuming so. Just, just play a YouTube video people. of a fire afterwards. <laughs> fake fire. I have a little visitor. Ah! ah cat! Hey! He was pawing at Make my leg. Make him purr into the mic. What does he Hi. like to binge eat? Everything. <laughs> Treats. The best sound in the world. You have to leave that in. I always do. Hi, <laughs> little flu. He was crying to Look come Look at in. that baby. Oh Aww. my god, he's so cute. <laughs> Alright, sorry, we have to take a moment to appreciate the pet. That's a rule. That's a rule of this podcast. Now he's looking like, maybe I could get on the desk and be bad. Yeah, we can't. We can't <laughs> do that. Okay. I wish my no. dogs would speak into the mic. <laughs> Penelope's pretending to be asleep while fully holding her head up. You're <laughs> not fooling anyone. She could be asleep. She's not. I just I saw her open her eyes for a brief moment and then close yep. them again <laughs> to see if I was looking. Tripping on acid. <laughs> All right. So the next thing I want to talk about has a little bit to do with body image, um, but I want to talk about the wellness trend. Oh yeah. Um, and I got really interested in this <laughs> a while back, like reading about it, because I read this profile in the New York Times of Gwyneth Paltrow just talking about her company Goop, Goop. her wellness company. Has mm. anyone read that New York Times? I think I have. Uh, yes. It's been a... Well, is this recent? I'm interested um, in reading it. Maybe like a year ago. I think I read it when it came out, but I don't fully remember it. I have been obsessed with Goop, though, and like how wild... It is that they sell the things they sell for the prices they sell them. Yeah. I love an internet scam. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think that's what I love about it. 
we're all susceptible, I think, to like certain shades of like mm-hmm. or certain aspects of the wellness industry. Like I spent an hour looking up like plant derived, you know, like soaps and stuff mm-hmm. that I should buy. And I was like, I was like, I had a cart, guys. And then yeah. I had to like take a step back and be like, okay, do I really need all this? So it's interesting to see how different um, I think arms of the industry prey or not even prey on, but, like, take advantage of, mm-hmm. you know, people's insecurities or, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And, th- and that makes a sense of predatory, but, yeah. I, I mean, it, it's it not is, unpredatory. It's capitalism. Okay, yes. <laughs> it's capitalism. So, I wanted to read a little excerpt from, like, a more recent article about Goop and kind of apply this to the book. Yes, let's do it. I, li- I like this angle we're going for. Let's do it. <laughs> Good. I'm, I was like, people are going to be like, what a stretch. Nope. No, um, no. Hold on, let me open it up so I can see. Look, a lot of us here, I'm not going to say all of us, but a lot of us got higher degrees in English. We like stretching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I'm, I was the queen of that. We okay. like to stretch. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> I had to give art statements in, in art school, so I also... Um, So this this article is from August of this year. It's by Amanda Mull for The Atlantic, and it's called I Gooped Myself. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But she spends uh, $1,200 of The Atlantic's money. She says this all the time. Like, I was the first person to expense a vibrator for The Atlantic. (laughs) So she buys all these things, including a Goop branded (laughs) vibrator. There's Um, a Goop branded But the article is... <laughs> the article is talking about sort of what Goop is selling really to people. And so I'm going to read this excerpt. It's just a couple of paragraphs. All right. Instead of questioning longstanding assumptions about women's bodies, as Goop often claims as its goal, the company's products embrace one of America's oldest health myths that physical beauty is proof not only of a person's health, but of her essential righteousness. If the outside is perfect, the inside must be too. It's a retrograde vision of womanhood for a company that so frequently deploys the word empowerment. Wellness companies can feel predatory, even those not making Gwyneth Paltrow richer. It's a largely unregulated industry and it operates in an environment of open desperation. Many women justifiably mistrust the ways conventional doctors address their concerns and treat their pain. Goop, influential in ways that would make most gurus and healers envious, has helped introduce millions of people to, quote, experts who argue that HIV doesn't cause AIDS and that drinking celery juice can treat cancer. In 2018, the company settled a $145,000 lawsuit over unsubstantiated claims that its jade and rose quartz eggs could balance hormones and regulate menstrual cycles. The company was also pressured to stop selling a set of healing stickers that were not, as it claimed, made of materials originally developed for NASA. They were actually just mylar, a common polyester that the manufacturer, Body Vibes, claims is, quote, programmed with, quote, frequencies derived from Gregorian monks' chants. Oh, my God. There's so much more good stuff in there. I have looked at these stickers before. (laughs) Not to buy them, but just looking at them and wondering why... But then I spent some time like, does this work? Much like <laughs> some of the things in in this book that um, Masha is is doing, it's like a lot of um, intangible mm-hmm. feel good things. Now it turns out that yeah. what Masha's actually doing is giving 
everyone <laughs> microdoses of LSD without their knowledge, and then later a bigger dose. Yes. And then some other drugs, too. Um, which is not what Gwyneth Paltrow is probably doing. Probably. Uh, at probably. least not her personally. <laughs> but maybe <laughs> the company is. Who knows? Don't come after me, Goop. I don't have any money. But I want to talk about this, like, predatory nature and, like, preying on feeling desperate and this, like, false sense of empowerment. Because I think maybe it's not as much of a stretch as I'm saying it is. (laughs) Well, I think one thing that um, is relevant is that, as we mentioned earlier, Masha did work in a business background, um, in, like, a very corporate background, and she later considers going back to it, and she's sort of applying all of the same ideas that she used, all of these, like, kind of bullshitty, you know, like, corporate, like, all this corporate jargon that, uh, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) shit like that, to, like, you know, make herself seem more legitimate, and she treats this, she, she has this idea that her wellness uh, center that Tranquillum House is, you know, solely based on like her desire to help people feel good. But really, she's treating it like a business. She gets a high from achieving any kind of success. And so she's like targeting people to try to get more and more of that success. There's a, a section of that article that I was reading from that talks about how like wellness is for rich people mm-hmm. because they're the only people that can afford these products and the yeah. Tranquillum House is not cheap yeah. as we as we learn like everyone talks about there's a, a few characters are mentioning they either like got it as a gift or like well they have the money so they can I mean Jessica and Ben are lottery winners <laughs> so yeah. they can do this kind of shit all the time I, I mean, like, I find that interesting, um, and, like, I feel like I definitely see a lot of that, like, because I do teach, like, fitness classes, and I have a lot of friends who teach fitness classes who, as I've shown you guys, are also, like, involved in some of that, like, Arbon, um, Arbon, like, wellness MLM type stuff. So that's become, like, very fascinating to me because I have so many friends who do that um, or who use it. Um, and it's just, like, it's, like, re- like the thing about stuff like that is it's, like, so, it's so low quality and, like, you're buying this idea more than you're buying a product. Yeah. Um, I'm talking, like, more about like this wellness idea rather than the MLM idea that that is for another podcast. I feel that like deserves its own full discussion. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, but like so much of the wellness stuff is about buying into an idea rather than a product. And like, um, and we see this a lot too. Like, cause I, again, like getting back to the bachelor, like I follow a lot of like bachelor contestants on Instagram and stuff. And like, that's how a lot of them make their money now is like selling products like this. Like, things that they don't even use. Mm-hmm. Flat mm-hmm. tummy tea? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. and But it is, like, it's a status symbol, almost. Like, if you can if you can afford to, like, pay to use this stuff, then it, like, it almost doesn't matter if it works because you're just, like, buying into the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you kind of, it, it's kind of like the Tranquillum 
whole the whole spa like the whole time I'm like reading about the or like listening to them obviously because I listen to audiobook but that's reading too so I'm gonna say reading I was reading about <laughs> them doing this stuff you know and I was like it's just like I don't see how any of it like nothing is actually like transformative like they keep talking about transformative stuff and like but like even the microdosing and everything it doesn't transform them like they don't like they don't really leave that change because it's not even really about that it's about i don't know like the idea more than it is about yeah i feel like i'm rambling now no you're not yeah (laughs) it makes sense um trying to find a way to not talk about my latest obsession caroline calloway (laughs) (laughs) there's a new piece about her in the atlantic too speaking of yeah i read it there's there's like always a new piece about her these days i have that one like bookmarked to read i still haven't gotten it makes me think of her because one of the things she talks about and i'm so confused now on the timeline of this because I have I'm deep in the rabbit hole of Caroline Calloway. But I haven't gone down that rabbit hole yet. I need you need to. to. It's wild. But I'm halfway in. One of the things <laughs> she talks about at one point is like she loves Glossier and she wants to get a bunch of Glossier stuff and she's like always posting about her Glossier stuff. And that is one of the brands that I think, not that their products aren't legitimately good sometimes, but you are very much sometimes. buying into an aesthetic and yeah. sort of like the promise of a certain lifestyle that doesn't really exist. Yeah. I mean, I say this as someone who like has had Glossier stuff, like I love their blush. Yeah, I love like I love Glossier's makeup stuff, but their skincare stuff, I feel like like Glossier is a brand of skincare for people who have really great skin. Yes, it's like their skincare is like doesn't do shit for people who actually don't have good skin. Which I speak from experience as a person who at twenty eight is still struggling with acne. And I'm, like, constantly looking for for things that will help me. And, like, I'm very into skincare. And, like, I don't spend a ton of money on it. But, you know, I will, like, splurge every now and again to, like, you know, just see what, like, will this work? Mm-hmm. Um, and guess what? When you have bad skin, almost nothing works. Like, that's just the way it is. Like, it's really hard to find a product, and it's really hard to keep it under control. There's no, there's never, like, one miracle product that is going to, like, change everything for you. And I feel like it's that way. It's That's the truth for most things about yourself that you might be trying to change or improve upon. It's like, you're not going to find one thing that's like, Magic. oh, this flat tummy tea made me lose all this weight, and now I'm perfect. Like, that, like, is not a thing. Um yeah. So yeah. You also can't have one LSD trip and suddenly <laughs> yeah, have the answer to all your problems. Right. Cuz it's like it's the the difference between having like one experience and like a lifestyle change, which is the same when it comes to like diet culture and things like that where it's like you go on this intense diet for, you know, mm-hmm. 20 days or whatever and you lose weight and then you go back to your normal life and you gain it back because you're not actually being transformed you are you don't like want to eat that way forever depriving yourself yeah this is why i'm gonna go on the record about whole 30 being like total bullshit mm-hmm. Woo! 
Diets are bullshit. They're bullshit. Are we, are we all in agreement with that? Yeah. Is that I'm, okay I agree yeah. with that. Okay. Well, they make you the same promise, and, like, those products make you the same promise that Masha makes everyone, which is, like, in this many days, you'll be different. Like, mm-hmm. fundamentally a different person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is not true. It's not how change works. What I think about this book like a lot of those companies and those products and those organizations um especially ones where like they have you like buy in and like sell to each other it it's all very much like you know they say oh we want to help each other oh this changed my life oh this was so good for me i want to share it with you so you know your life will be changed too but the basis of that is always selling something and selling a product and that's totally what Masha does but what I actually really loved about this book and like the last third is that you see that like going to Tranquillum House and like going through this um program that Masha has prescribed is not what changes their lives like it's like their actual (laughs) Mm -hmm. experience of being like messed with um Mm -hmm. and not like that that's a good thing but like they come out of that like being people who were like whoa we went through that together and it had an effect on us and then I don't know if you guys have feelings about like the extended like pro epilogue of an ending i actually kind of loved it because it shows like (laughs) month after month year after year the characters do change but it's a prolonged change it's like not one amazing week away that like fundamentally changes your life yeah which is another everyone's just doing a really good job like moving into the next question (laughs) um was like i wanted to talk about the end because we do get like an extended kind of following of the characters and it's like, do we think they are like better off for having gone through <laughs> this thing? <laughs> yeah. We should maybe say more about what the thing is. I guess. Yeah. Um, so we've touched on the LSD situation. So after five days of total <laughs> silence, um, Everyone finds out that the smoothies they've been drinking every day have had microdoses of LSD in them, which is not a thing they consented to. Um, but it's this new protocol that Masha is trying, and she wants to be like a pioneer of something. <laughs> um, but then they get another smoothie <laughs> with LSD, and then for for Ben and Jessica, it's MDMA. For other people, it's mushrooms. <laughs> Or, like, whatever the chemical in mushrooms is. Um, so, everyone... And it's not a microdose. Like, everyone, like, trips or is, like... Like, Ben and Jessica are fully high on MDMA. Like, um, making out in the corner. Yeah, yeah, making out in the corner, which seemed accurate <laughs> to me. Um, <laughs> uh, but that's, like, the kind of, like, plot twist, I guess, that happens. Which is not where I was expecting it to go. I... I thought, because the one thing I'd heard about this book was that it was kind of culty, mm-hmm. and so I thought this was going to turn into, like, stay here with me and, like, grow this thing, <laughs> and so I was actually, like, surprised by um, this twist, but after everyone comes out of their trip or comes down from their molly, um, <laughs> there's, they realize they're locked in this room together and don't know how to get out. Does anyone want to elaborate on uh, that part? I feel like so I'm talking ben, a lot. 
Masha... So they spend, I think, like, 48 hours trying to get out of the room, and they can't get out, and they don't know what's going on. And then eventually... Also, there's a Russian doll. Did you, are you going to talk about that? Well, yeah, I was going to say, eventually, <laughs> Masha comes on the screen in a in a video and is, like... Did, she tells them, like, she says something to them before they find the doll, right? Or No. Yeah, I think she does. It's kind of hard to remember. I mean, she, I know she's like, she's sitting in an observation room with Yao talking about how dumb they are. (laughs) Yeah, how they can't figure out the clue. Oh, I guess they do find the Russian doll first. So they're looking for a clue on how to get out. They figure out that there's like a package in the ceiling because she mentioned that you should look up at the stars. So they like throw something at the package and knock it down and they take out the package and it has a Russian doll inside and they take it apart and then at the end there's nothing inside and they're like, what the fuck? And she gets really mad that they threw something at it instead of creating a human pyramid to go get (laughs) it because that wasn't the right way to solve the problem, which reminds me of some like elementary school math bullshit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is just, like, this is why I hate math, because there's more than right, one right way to solve the problem, just let me get to the answer. Or, yeah. And they're like, no, you have to do it in this complicated way. Yeah. No, show your work. <laughs> I don't need to show my work. I know the answer, damn it. <laughs> right. Yeah, so um, everyone is very hungry and very angry. At some point, Masha takes an LSD also. And, um... Well, and she sedates Yao, so he's out for a while. Delilah, Delilah the other attendant, just runs away. Delilah runs. She, she so things steals are falling the car. apart. She has dosed herself and is not having the best trip. Um, things are starting to unravel for her just in her own head. Um, and then she starts a fake fire. Well... <laughs> Yeah, she she basically, like, she tries to make them all give presentations about why they should be allowed to live, <laughs> which is just ridiculous. Completely. Power, she wants PowerPoint presentations. Yeah, she's yeah. like, why has no one prepared a PowerPoint? They and they're like, we're computers. literally locked in a room without any technology. I love that. Like, Carmel kind of figures it out, though, and she's like, okay, she just wants to hear business business things. Like, she's our boss, and we're trying to impress her at some presentation. So, synergy, etc. Yes. Such an accurate depiction of how this shit is talked about, too, as a person who (laughs) works in a uh, corporate environment. (laughs) Yeah. I hear a lot of But then, like, two people go, and she's like, uh... I don't even know why she, like, decides that she doesn't want to hear it anymore, but she, like, turns off her her camera, and then all of a sudden they hear, like, the sound of fire, and then smoke starts coming into the room, and so then for, like, a quite a bit there, they all think that she has set the house on fire and that they're gonna die, so they're just, like, sitting in there, and then uh, eventually they realize that the sound is, like, looping, and they're like, oh, it's fake. Um, <laughs> and then one of them's like, has anyone checked the door lately? <laughs> and then they realize that the door is unlocked and they, like, escape. And then they realize that, like, there's just a trash can with, like, burning newspaper in it. And then she had, like, put a, you know, soundtrack of a house fire next to her speaker. Meanwhile, she's, like, chilling with Yao. And he's like, what the fuck? And she's like... <laughs> 
listen, <laughs> it it's all going to be fine. And he's like, no. And then the rest of them, did they, like, show up in her office? Uh, you mean call the police? They call the police? Well, no, they call the, um, the... <laughs> The dude who is like, or they just show up. the The woman who's like the spa massage therapist oh, yeah, lady, Jan. and her like her like cop boyfriend show up. Because yeah. she was like, seemed weird that I didn't that Marsha Marsha that Masha sent us all home. I uh, guess we should go check it out. And then they get there, and then just in time because Masha tries to stab Heather with a letter opener. It all just. It spirals it's out of control. Ears. Yeah, it's yeah. a trap. You, you think you <laughs> yes. can't go lower than Doritos and salsa, but then stabbing. <laughs> that was just yeah. the first sign, and then the letter opener. I see. I lower than Doritos honestly, and salsa is the episode. This title. ending <laughs> really worked for me. I didn't see it coming necessarily. I thought the fire was real. And I did too. It was, I mean, I it was too. exciting. She seems like the type of person that would do that. Yeah, it's no, she seemed fire. like she was headed in exactly that direction. Like, well, this didn't turn out how I wanted. Time to burn it all down. And for a sec, I was like, oh my God, did we read two books in a row where someone burned a house down? <laughs> yes. But, uh, I mean, it worked for me. And even like the ending is sort of neat and tidy with like Jan and her cop boyfriend just happening to show up. And everything turning out like that, but it still worked for me. Like it felt it felt good and I thought it was a nice conclusion. And I usually am an epilogue hater, but I really enjoyed this epilogue. I like thinking about how these characters are all still connected. And I like seeing Francis and Tony together. They were cute. Yeah. Just figuring it I out. I think if if anyone ended up better off after uh, this experience. It was them. And uh, Ben and Jessica really needed to get divorced super bad, so... That, too. That so probably would have happened anyway, I think though. they're probably both better off in their own way. We haven't really <laughs> talked about it much, but I think the most touching plot to me was uh, Heather and Napoleon and Zoe? Yeah. 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 Zach and Zoe. Um, Napoleon and Heather, whose son, Zoe's twin, um died three years earlier and they were like grieving and trying to work through that and like they're not okay afterwards <laughs> by any yeah. means you know but like they are starting to talk about it as a family which is good mm-hmm. well and they were all holding on to different secrets yes. about uh his death that they didn't share with each other and all of them felt responsible in their own ways, and yeah. just them being able to, like, tell each other these things that they had mm-hmm. been hiding was, like, a huge part of them being able to start, like, feeling like they could possibly move forward. Mm-hmm. And that felt, that rang very true to me, like, as someone, obviously, like, I've talked about it pretty openly, and my brother was on the podcast, like, I lost my brother mm-hmm. recently, and so that rang very true to me, and it also... Obviously, my brother didn't kill himself. He died of cancer. But, you know, I have had a close friend who killed mm-hmm. herself. And I know, like, as someone who 
is a survivor of suicide, you do feel guilt about that because more than any other kind of death, it feels like you should have been able to do something to stop it. And so, like, I feel like all the ways in which, like, each of them felt responsible seem, like, really true and also just, like, you know, like, I'm glad that in the end, like, they're not able to completely forgive themselves, but they also kind of realize, like, that playing this what-if game, like, it doesn't matter because that's just not what happened, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But yeah, it's really hard because like, yeah, you, when you, when you know somebody who's going through that, who um, commits suicide, who does something like that, you do think like, oh, I should have known, or I should have said this, or I should have looked at the warning signs or, you know, like, and that's, that's a really hard thing to let go of because it seems like something that should be, um, like should be preventable, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. yeah. Suicide sucks. <laughs> I don't know. That's Not the only totally. way I could think to say it. But yeah. Um but yeah, I thought that that was really like um well handled um and in, in a much better than the way that I'm talking about it. No. Right now, so. Like you're talking about <laughs> it fine. I just like Yeah. I th- I think you're right that like they do present it as like a difficult nuanced topic and i like that moriarty sort of leaves them able to talk about it which they couldn't do before but it's still not like resolved because you can't resolve grief like that you can't just say well we figured it out it's fine now yeah i think like it it was in moments like something like you know heather and napoleon being able to like have sex again Mm -hmm. after like, all of this time of, like, not being able to touch each other. Like, something like that, which, like, might seem, like, not as big of a deal as, like, you know, like, forgiving each other and moving past a death, but something, like, a small step like that in a direction where they can, like, come back together. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, I really, um, I liked, like, hearing Zoe kind of, like, reconnect with her brother even if it was just in her head Mm -hmm. um and like allow herself to like have a conversation with him that she won't ever get to have but that you know where they were able to like forgive each other almost or like acknowledge like that they had they had been fighting when he when he died and they were in the middle of a fight and weren't really talking to each other and so she felt a lot of guilt about that and so when she has her trip her and her and her mom and dad see him and he's there with them and just the fact that like after they're not tripping anymore she says like but he's like still here in my head and like I can talk to him whenever I want and like I thought that that was like very touching although I have never experienced that um yeah I I mean I would agree I really enjoyed that um in that prolonged epilogue you do see that Napoleon and Heather and Zoe, um, especially Napoleon though, really do have to do a lot of work and Napoleon gets like the real help he needs, not Mm -hmm. Masha's messed up counseling um, or fitness program, but like serious help where, you know, you see him making good progress. Like that was wonderful. I always Mm -hmm. like when you see positive representations of um, mental health help, in um, fiction and in media, because th- I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Yes. Me too. Because, yeah, what all of these people really needed was, like, 
the therapist. Therapy. Yes. A therapist that was not Probably everyone. (laughs) Yeah. I tell everyone to go to therapy. Maybe that's the real message here. Everyone should go to therapy. Yes. (laughs) The moral of every story is really, you could benefit from therapy. Yeah. I mean, really, that was true for the last book we read as well. Oh, my God. Which was We've Always Lived in the Castle. Yeah. Definitely could have benefited from some therapy. Just saying. Every book I've ever read, (laughs) the characters could have benefited from therapy. And also every person I've ever met. to read if everyone was in therapy because everyone would be fine. Yeah. In conclusion, we are therapy advocates. Yes. (laughs) Take care of your – take care of your – inner health as well as your outer health mm-hmm. yeah okay well i also really i liked the epilogue a lot and like mary i'm often an epilogue hater um because a lot of times i don't like things like that end super super neatly um mm-hmm. and while most of these like all the endings kind of tied up in their own way i didn't i don't know i didn't like dislike that <laughs> in this book like I was well, it's not like it tied it. up neatly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I think, I mean, it tied up in the fact that, like, you know, like all of you guys are saying, like, we see that there's progress being made and that change is happening. But like, these people are all like works in progress. Like, we're never like completely well. You know, like yeah. it's always like working. That's like the human condition, right? We're always like striving towards being like better versions of ourselves in some way or another, like, working on fixing something, whether it's, like, superficial or whether it's, like, some sort of, like, uh, you know, like, more underlying, like, emotional or, you know, like, psychological issue that we have going on. But, like, we're all, like, we're never, like, done, right? Yeah. I also would like to say about the epilogue that I loved how she was, like, not everyone gets a happy ending. That bitch who wrote a terrible review of Francis's oh, book yes. is poor <laughs> now. <laughs> um, and considering that that's kind of what I do for a living, that's me. That'll be me. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. I'll just live in my stack of books. It's fine. Let's um let's just wrap up our discussion with that question and not not the final one I have there because we are, it's going a little long and I feel like that was a good answer so yeah. um everybody get therapy yeah everyone get therapy <laughs> um let's uh go into ratings uh I'll go it's Kelly <laughs> hello um I am gonna give this a three I think yeah I think. Yeah. That we usually, uh, tears it just so you know, we usually go by the Goodreads star rating metric wherein we are not allowed to give half stars. Uh, but then we'll say if I could give it a half star. We, we cheat the system. <laughs> um, which I would give it a, like three just, and a half. Uh, we always throw shade at Goodreads. I know. Every. It's probably why we talk about it every yet. time. I know. Yeah. Um,. So, yeah, if I could, I'd give it three and a half. Not because I, you know, three for me is, like, pretty standard of, like, a book that I enjoyed and think is good, but not something that I really, like, I didn't feel, like, super, super connected to it, and I don't think I would read it again. Um, But I think I would, like, recommend it to people, maybe. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's just, I don't know exactly why I I didn't completely... um, connect to it but for some reason i didn't so 
That's that. Yeah, I also <laughs> gave it a three. I think I might give it a three and a half if I could, but I feel good about the three. I enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it. Wanted to keep reading it. I don't think I would revisit it necessarily, but I think it definitely made me more open to Moriarty's other work. So. As is not allowed, but as is my custom, I would give it a three and a half. Um, typically, I round down from my half. Um, and I've gone back and forth between three and four, but I think I'm going to give it a four. Um I quite liked it. And I with some I feel like usually when I give something a three it's because it's like pretty okay, but maybe I wouldn't recommend it to people, but I feel like I would recommend this. Um and it makes me want to finish Big Little Lies because I hear that that is really good. <laughs> so it is um, very yeah, I'm good. just gonna go for it and give it a four. Um okay, I'll go. Um this is Emily. Um I have not rated it on Goodreads yet because um I finished it earlier today. Yeah. Just to be truly honest with you. Um, That's but, never happened. <laughs> I literally always finish the day. Of, so. <laughs> Look, it's fresh in my brain this way. This is my method. This is how I do. Um, but I think I'd also give it a three. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, and like I said, like, obviously, like, some of this was relatable to me personally. Not that that should really, like influence someone in their review but i definitely like some of the things that were being talked about like rang true as Mm -hmm. someone who had gone through those things before so i felt like a lot of the more like emotional issues were dealt with in a really like honest way that felt real um which uh not everyone is good at doing my main issue with the book was that i don't like reading about acid trips i just don't find that interesting (laughs) like and that like some of the revelations that happened during that were interesting but you know like even they say in the book and i mentioned this earlier like the thing about a drug trip is like things seem really profound while they're happening and then you come out of it and you're like that was all nonsense (laughs) um and so a lot of it read as just like complete nonsense and so like i kind of had trouble hanging on to the the story at that point um when some of it was just like like was just sort of like ludicrous and in in a book that isn't really that way otherwise it just kind of like felt i don't know i just didn't like i have trouble getting into drug narratives like that i guess Mm -hmm. so that's just sort of like a personal thing i know some people are really into reading about drugs i just don't really care about reading about drugs but um Otherwise, aside from that little vignette, I was very invested in the characters, and I, I would still recommend this book. And definitely, you know, five stars for the narrator. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my review. So I would give this book a three as well. And I feel like almost slightly unfair giving it a three because... I think part of the reason that I was a little bit frustrated halfway through this book was because I didn't know what to expect. I think I had always like labored under the assumption that Leanne Moriarty was like this mystery writer because I read Big Little Lies and that was my only other book I read by her. And then I read this and I was like, no, this isn't a mystery. I won't. I wouldn't even quite call it a thriller. 
Um, but once I realized like what it was working up to, I think there was a point in the book where I was like, this is really entertaining. I like all these characters, but something needs to happen. And then like 20 minutes later, something did. And I was very satisfied. Um, but just because it took so long to get there, that's why I would give it a three and not a higher star rating. But I really enjoyed the characters. And I've definitely recommended this on TBR and in my, you know, non-work life. So, um, yeah, it's a really good read. Wow. We, yeah. Again, we all gave it a pretty similar rating. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, and just to clarify, like, I think three stars is still good. 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 Like, it's good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. So. I would never give three stars to anything that I didn't enjoy. Yeah. I just, like, do you yeah. think we're becoming <laughs> one mind now? Because I remember when we first started this, it's like, I gave it a one, I gave it a five. <laughs> <laughs> just these drastic um, we haven't had so many devices i don't know because you know we're talking about my best friend's exorcism next and we all know that i love that book me too so i don't know what's gonna happen like i'm stressed out about it no Basically, one can say I'm the only, but i'm the only one we're waiting on like, i don't know what kelly rated this book i don't know what's gonna happen <laughs> I might, I might out. pull out a shocker. Uh-oh. I do know that it gave her a uh, panic attack, so I don't know if that's a good thing. Famously. So. Famously. <laughs> 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 oh, right. man. I do really love that book, though. So, just saying. <laughs> Five stars. Well, once again, we have no feedback, so that's cool. What the hell, guys? Thanks, Actually, listeners. I think it's probably because the memory police is so new. new. Came out in yeah. 1994. Yeah. People could have uh, learned Tiana, Japanese. have you read The Memory Police? No, I haven't, but I've heard a lot of Book Riot people rave about it, and it's on my list. Yeah. Well, well, once you read it, will you write us some feedback? Write in. Yeah, <laughs> sure. You Tell us what you thought. <laughs> Absolutely. I haven't like I'm saying that because I haven't like talked to anyone who's read it no, either. either. So yeah, no. um, I wonder uh-huh. if that's I have been part harassing of it. someone in real life to write in a couple of people. Well, yeah, we mostly get our feedback through harassment. So. Yeah, we're, it's we're, true. This is the second week in a row we've had no feedback. We're lonely. Um, we'll we take miss anything. You? Yeah, we miss you. Are you still out there? If you want to write in about weekend and burn at Bernie's, now is the time. Now is yes, the time because like, we honestly, have time to read it. I'm not kidding. I still when I say that, and I've been condone. waiting on it. Well, I'll read it. It's really for me. So, yeah. Um. Also, like, if you wanted to write in about seriously, like, if you wanted to write out about um. Here I Am by Jonathan Safran Foer, which is the first book we ever talked about two years ago, you could do that. Yes. Like, we will read yeah, anything that we'll you send it. to us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just in time for the Jewish high holidays yes. also. <laughs> There's a lot of Israel in that book. Mm-hmm. So It's true. Yeah. Come on. Okay. Um, That's well, the no. most Jewish book we've read, I would say. It is. <laughs> That's why. If we were it. handing out superlatives, that book would get <laughs> most, most Jewish. Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> See, I gave that book a three, and I like this one better than that. So, okay, all right. Well, let's talk about what's on the blog, which you can also write us feedback about any of the following things we're about to say. Yes, yeah, we're just really giving you a lot of options to work with here. Talk to um, us. Wait, what is on the blog? I have to look. Um, well, today, the day of this recording, hot um, off the presses, October first. Yeah, 
Hot-tober. Hot-tober. Today I wrote um, a post um, with some poems for fall. Yeah. Um, even though it's super hot still. It is. But I'm trying to will it into being with poetry. So check those out and let me know what your favorite fall poems are. What a great opportunity to email us. Yes. They're very good. They are good. Um, does The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe count? Yeah, I mean, spooky. Yeah. Call it all. His entire like repertoire counts, I would say. I like spooky poems. Speaking of fall, I have I almost said have been forced. I have <laughs> I have watched a lot myself of by one Todd. <laughs> I've watched a lot of network TV over the past week. Because a lot of stuff premiered this week, and I have written a roundup of some of my favorite and not-so-favorite Fall Network premieres. Uh, In a couple of weeks, I'm going to do a part two with the shows that premiere on The CW. Oh, my word. Like the new Nancy Drew show. Oh, I'm excited about Nancy Drew. Stuff like that. So, um, there will be a part two incoming. Also... If you want to hear from me and or Tide, we're doing Survivor recaps once again, probably because we are crazy. <laughs> Look, I'm glad to pass the crazy baton on because finally we're out of Bachelor season. Susan and I can kick up our heels, take a little rest. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> before we get back on our bullshit in January. If Survivor <laughs> recaps aren't your thing, Emily and I are also discussing the new MTV show Ghosted. Starring yes. the Bachelorette herself, Rachel. The Bachelorette, Rachel. Yes. And speaking of recaps, Mary and I have discussed this oh, yes. and decided that we are not going to do weekly recaps for Riverdale. R.I.P. We are going to do R.I.P. to weekly recaps. We're going to do three posts for this Riverdale season. We will do one after the premiere with our thoughts and feelings and predictions. Mm-hmm. We will do a mid-season check-in after, you know, they go on seven hiatus. years, which is roughly half a season of Riverdale is seven years long. <laughs> and then we will do our uh, final post after the finale airs. It's just a way Let's to keep us good. all sane. Yes. As opposed to Susan and I, who have completely broken up with Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> this is like Forever. our slow breakup with Riverdale. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're we're go- speaking of ghosted. Susan and I are ghosting <laughs> Bachelor in Paradise. Yeah, we will not be doing any season check-ins next season no. for that. That's um, fine. Sorry. Speaking of ghosts, Spooktober is well underway. Mm-hmm. We're about halfway through. Well, we're probably further than we're like. We're getting there. Um, I'm watching one new-to-me horror movie every single week and reviewing it on the blog. My most recent one that I've done as of right now was The Hole in the Ground, which is a lovely, just charming little Irish movie about a demon kid. Or is it? You'll have to watch and find out. It's available. um, He's just on acid. Yeah. (laughs) He's just been microdosing. Um, It's available on Amazon Prime right now for free. So if you want to check it out, it's a really great. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, Emily enjoyed it. And the review is spoiler free. So you can check that out if you want a little taste. Um, Get ready because there are a lot of overalls in that movie. So many overalls. 
So many overalls. Um, so much bangs, so many overalls. An overall for every occasion. Yes. She has her grieving overall. She has her going to watch my kid in the school play overall. <laughs> She's got my finding a weird hole in the ground in the middle of the forest overalls. Like, really, she, she does it all. Yes. So. And yeah. speaking of Spooktober, I just really quickly um, want to shout out your uh, The Haunting of Sharon Tate post. Oh, my because God. It's hilarious. <laughs> Um, I'm just going to read the first sentence that I just pulled up as a taste for everyone who should be reading Spooktober. Apparently, (laughs) all the cool kids are making exploitative movies about Sharon Tate's murder. The one starring Hilary Duff is just the worst one. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. So um, I watched that movie um, against... I, I had been warned... Against and all I odds. It anyway. <laughs> Against all odds, I watched that movie, and it was so, it was just as bad as people say. So don't watch it. You will, now that I've said that, but don't. You need to hear um, the accent. Oh my god, it's so bad. Well, if you want to hear the accent, it is available on Netflix, so you can just pop in, <laughs> listen to Hillary Duff's really bad accent, and, and then out. just stop. Pop, pop on out of there oh before things get crazy. Um, it was real bad. Um... Also, speaking of spooky things, Kelly <laughs> wrote about the speaking goldfinch. Of things, speaking of things that are bad, um, I wrote a post about the Goldfinch movie, um, which was, as I said on the last episode, um, pretty much universally panned by critics. And I thought, it can't be that bad. It and was. so I went to see it, and it was, it was not that bad but it was like pretty bad um so i wrote about why exactly i think it was bad from the perspective of also having read the book which i think a lot of the film reviews have not quite touched on because they're yeah. focusing on it as a movie so which, uh, i mean they're film reviewers so that makes sense but yes um, and I was just kind of like, it's not like a compare and contrast thing. It's like a, here is one big thing that they changed, and that is why I think it is bad. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Check that out if you're curious. Mm-hmm. Tirza, you got anything you want to plug while we're here? Well, I made myself a giant reading list of, like, all the spooky books that I'm going to yes. do for October. And I told myself I was going to make it, like... And easily or, you know, realistically attainable list. And then the last time I checked, there are 16 books on the list. So I think I need to cut back (laughs) because that's not going to happen this month. Um, But I usually do a roundup post on Book Riot of um, like creepy atmospheric books for October for people who like can't read horror novels because they're wimps. And, um, <laughs> yes, there are a lot of really good picks out there, I think. Um, because I love reading creepy things, but, like, I can't do horror movies. That's so, but cool. these are non-horror book picks. So it's, like, atmospheric mysteries or, like, sort of, like, dark magical reads. Nice. Yes. Oh. Nice. That sounds cool. I would love yeah. to check that out. Yeah. We will post a link to it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Hey. Hey, um. Yeah, what's up? What's up next? Well, um, I mentioned it earlier, but our next other sode is going to be another book because we just love books here. Um, I'm really on a book high. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be just, you know, in time for the spooky season, um, we're going to be talking about one of my faves, My Best Friend's Exorcism by Grady Hendrix. This is 
a horror novel. So if you're not into horror, uh, you know, like maybe go for the more atmospheric things. If you want demonic possession, come along. (laughs) Also, great 80s references. Lots of E.T. Cool book design. Cool book design. You won't be able to see that through the podcast, but we can describe it to you. Also, Grady Hendrix is just a delightful Well, we'll human. take a bunch of pictures of it, too. Um, yeah, we can take pictures of it. It's going to, like, our uh, Instagram is going to be popping. It's going to look so good. It's already popping. that's so really what matters. So. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, so that's coming up. I'm really excited to finally talk about this book. Um, I'm ready to fight anyone who didn't like it, so get ready. <laughs> All right. Um, and, yeah. uh, hey, Kelly. Our next book episode will be on Freshwater, and the book is by Akweeke Amezi, which hopefully is um, a decent pronunciation. I did look it up. I'm very excited to read this book. It looks crazy uh, in a good way. So, I yeah. just bought it. Yeah! I, um, I found this just because I was, like, searching like for magical realism things and this popped up so it is from what i understand um about a girl who is experiencing multiple personality disorder but also maybe something else is going on with that uh (laughs) so i'm uh, yeah that's like pretty much all i know because i try to like read as little as possible about what I'm going to be reading so that I can be surprised. So yeah, um, that will be coming out on November 4th. Please read along. It's a pretty short book, so that's tempting, I'm sure. Uh, I guess this is the part where I tell you all to please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Please. I don't know how many times I have to ask, but I'm going to keep asking forever. <laughs> every single time. Forever. forever. So forever. please do that. It will help other people find us. Also, you can follow us on social media. We are at Goals on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Just kidding. We don't have YouTube. Fuck that. <laughs> um, we don't like being harassed by <laughs> insoles on the internet. So. Yeah. No thanks. Um... You can email us at the squad at booksquadgoals.com to send us feedback about anything we have ever talked about. Even if you just heard me say it in passing as you walk past me on the street, you could email mm-hmm. about that. Like literally anything, please. Um, and you can check out our blog at booksquadgoals.com slash blog. And just like our regular website, if you just press the delete key a couple times and remove the word blog. Or you could press home if you're on the blog. <laughs> How else can we get there? <laughs> um, if you enable dictation on your phone, you could. <laughs> if you whisper the phrase book squad goals into an acorn and let it float away on the wind. If you say book squad goals three times in a dark bathroom. Mm-hmm. And spin around we'll three times. come through the mirror and scratch your face. Or stab you. Oh. It depends yeah. on the version you've heard. Yeah. I just thought it was a face scratch. Now I'm very scared. I've heard it was a stabbing in the belly because she is stabbed in her pregnant belly. Oh, lordy. Yikes. Well, we We're won't. Happy Halloween, stab everyone. You. <laughs> if you Happy whisper October. that into your mirror. 
Tirza, thank you. Tirza, thank you so much for being with us on this episode. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Yeah, this was great. Yeah, you're welcome back anytime. And hopefully um, your power will stay on for the rest of the night for you. Yes. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I hope your dog feels better. Yes. yes. <laughs> She's probably hiding in my closet. It's fine. <laughs> well, give give your pup's pets from us. Yes. Will do. Yay. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.